As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of Paranormal Buzz Radio or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is strictly prohibited. For information on everything Paranormal Buzz Radio has to offer, visit our website, paranormalbuzzradio.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Phantom Science, the podcast, where we discuss how to prove it's not just all in your head. Does the paranormal exist? If it does, how does it work? And how do we gather solid indications and data? During this podcast, we will be discussing things that many people may hold near and dear to themselves. If you feel offended at any point, just take a deep breath and think about the thing that offended you. Because we will be playing the role of the recently declawed Office of Devil's Advocate. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And thank you very much for listening. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Phantom Science. Um, this podcast, we are going to be talking about how to sense dead people. Um, and I don't mean it like, you know, I see dead people. I mean, if we could do it objectively and, uh, in a way that isn't, uh, just kind of like, uh, an analogy or, you know, a story over the campfire. So I was looking, I, I kind of binged on Neil deGrasse Tyson interviews last couple of days for whatever reason I don't know but he came up with something that was uh pretty poignant to the, at least to this episode um he said that people put um a lot of weight on eyewitness but they don't in science so people because of like the way the court system is you have an eyewitness and that's you know bona fide but in science just saying well I saw it happen isn't enough so you know the way to get around that is to then have like a third party, which is technology, 
just write down just the facts, man. Just the facts. So, um, we're going to go around the table as usual, see how everyone's doing. Shane, how you been? Oh, I've been doing pretty good. Just kind of doing my thing. Been a fairly normal week. Got to spend some time with my uh, grandson over the weekend, so that was pretty fun. So, been a good day. Hype them up, give them back. Yep, I did. <laughs> Nico? <laughs> Uh, about the same. Just kind of doing my thing, working. Um, it was been nice out the last couple of days here, so we finally got to get out of the house a bit. Uh, went to the trail this weekend with my daughter. That was nice. Um, yeah, that's about it. What about you, buddy? I'm boring. I, I just stayed home and binge watched <laughs> some stuff and uh, did a lot of work and worked on my online game, and that was it. Uh, oh, I got the dog's nuts chopped off. That, that was good. That was a high point of my a week. Jar, probably. <laughs> so, well, the wife wanted a new pair of earrings, so oh, he had yeah. to make sacrifices yeah. were made. Yeah. We, have tell, we have to tell Shane the inside joke later after the show. Yeah. <laughs> about about Jeannie and the dog. <laughs> oh, there we go. Shay's just written in chat. Well done, Shay. Even in a court case, eyewitness is the least reliable. That is exactly true, and every lawyer will tell you that. So. All right, so let's move. So, sensing the dead. Um, now we're going to go heavily into our sensor boards this episode. So, um, it's not uh, um, we're not hawking them or anything. We're just saying this is our solution. This is what we came up with, and because we built some, you know, we're obviously going to talk about them. So, Shane, you've got you built yours independently. In fact, you built yours first. And gave me the kick in the butt that I needed because I had the idea, but I'd never got around to doing it. So, um, how should we start this? I guess my first question would be, why did you build it? Well, let's see. Pretty much when I first started in the paranormal, you know, I was, of course, being the science and math person I was, I wanted data. And when I first started out, I started buying like a handheld EMF meter, and then I had a handheld thermometer, and then I had, you know, a barometer and a compass and all these things, a uh, Geiger counter. And so I started out just by writing everything down in a notebook. And, you know, I was only able to take, you know, basically one reading every minute or so because you just can't write fast for that, and you got to look at all the different instruments. Then I kind of got the idea, well, that's kind of good and all, but now all you're doing is totally concentrating on looking at numbers, and you're not part of the environment or the investigation. So then I was like, okay, I'll record this. So then I used one of my uh, little small, basically it's like a GoPro camera, set all the instruments out in its view, set it recording and then went about doing my, you know, EVP sessions or whatever, you know, wandering around the building looking for stuff or listening for sounds or, or whatnot. And then at the end of the investigation, I could go back through the video, you know, every few frames and write down all the numbers or type them into Excel and kind of make some math out of it. And then it's like, this is tedious. I mean, I did that half a dozen times maybe. And I'm like, no, 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 this is not the way to do it. Yes, it worked, and yes, it was cheap, but it was not the way to do it. 
And so then I was like, well, I could just automate almost all these sensors, you know, a Raspberry Pi and, you know, some AD converter boards and some other stuff and, you know, a few days worth of programming. And, oh, look, now it can take every second and take readings from like 20 plus sensors every second. And then that's that made the whole world better as far as uh, investigations. So that's pretty much how it got there. Sweet. That is awesome. <clears throat> so I guess from, I had the, the same idea and I had all the parts laying around and never got around to doing it. And then Shane came up to visit me one weekend and he had his already built. And then I saw it and I'm like, that's what I was going to build. Well, kind of more, more or less anyway. So that's, now, when I went about building mine, however, I'm not as good at electronics as Shane. Um, and I'm not, probably not, well, I'm definitely not as good at programming either, but I get by, I guess. So I try to dumb mine down, A, for a couple of reasons. One is um, so I could get the parts, I guess, the parts that are easy to get, and there's a budget, you know. So if you want super-duper parts, you've got to spend super-duper money. Um, so I wanted easy... Easy parts, easy to program, so that's how we built ours. And then the second view it started off is I wanted to make it easy and intuitive to use because I knew that we'd probably be using it at the Granger house when we do, um, like, flashlight tours. So something, I wanted kind of something that the general public could look at and halfway, you know, be able just to use intuitively, which is yeah. why ours got the touchscreen built into it and all the other stuff, so... Um, but I mean, the reason I had the idea in the first place, like Shane, when I first started doing this, you know, you'd get this piece of equipment and then that measuring piece of equipment, thermostat, EMF meters and all the other things. And the bag started to grow and grow and grow. And I've only got two hands. So, you know, it's like, and you're grabbing it. Oh, something might've happened over there. So you grab whatever you grab for, and you don't even know if you're grabbing the right piece of equipment and you've yeah. already grabbed it. It's already happened by the time you've grabbed it and pointed it and pushed the button and wrote it down. So, you know, I thought it's really a, not a good way of doing things. So, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and they're expensive. I mean, you buy that equipment one at a time here and one there, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks for the low to mid range stuff. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're, you know, you're out 600, 700 bucks. I mean, so, you you dropped a grand on the mid level camera alone. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, camera's a camera. Yeah. That's you know. Still though, that's I, just I, a camera. So Shay just asked, "What's the definition of a flashlight tour?" So um, basically, what the Green House does um, a couple of times a year is they have basically it's a it's a intro to paranormal. People come in, and you know we walk through the kit with them, and you know they go off and look at the different rooms, and you know. Um, that kind of thing. So it's kind of like an open house for paranormal uh, investigations and stuff. So, you know, when when the Grange House runs those, you know, I've been on a couple of them. So you have to kind of explain what the equipment is if they want to use it and how to use it. So that's kind of how that all works. I so, believe in the future they're, they're going to have a sensor board on display for when they do those, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that'll be... That'll be cool to kind of expose people of the community to these sensors instead of just the equipment that they've been using. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, 
and I don't, I don't know about you, Shane, but I've run into the thing where people look at it and it's like a subconscious, because it doesn't really do much at the time, um, people don't find it as, as fun um, and not as drawn to, to it because it doesn't make, you know, flashy lights and noises and, and yeah. things like that. So, um, Have you noticed that the Geiger counter is what gets the most attention because it's usually, on our board anyway, it's what makes the most noise? Yeah, mine makes noise. I just push the button because I get sick of listening to it. Yeah, but when we're when we're investigating with other people, they're like that Geiger counter sure is going off. They're not, you know, it it makes a beep. But that's what I mean. Subconsciously, people were sitting there, and and the little gadgets that were a buzz and beep, and flashlights, they add to um, the suspense when you're all sitting there waiting for something to happen. If something starts flashing or going off, that's great. They love that, you know. So ours doesn't really do that, but ours does take all the measurements every second so i think that's the the wall we've been running into as far as you know do people like it if you know what i mean so yeah what do you think shane um well i think like my like you said my board is even more boring than you guys is because i mean it has a little two-line display that basically tells you whether it's calibrating or not and then tells you what record it's on or if there's some kind of error, it'll give you a little error screen. But for for the most part, mine, the only lights that actually flash are maybe the Geiger counter. And it pretty much just uh, the, the power lights that each, you know, each board has a little light basically saying it's getting power. So for mine, the board just sits there silently. Although I did just recently add a plasma globe to it. So you can watch the little lightning bolts dance around inside there. And, you know, you could probably tell a spirit or whatever to try to touch it or mess with it. So yeah. and you'd get some immediate reaction to that, at least visually, hopefully. But yeah. aside from that, I mean, my board is just quietly sitting there. Nothing is happening, but it's recording. I don't know. I don't even remember now. 24 different parameters, something like that every second. It's got you, know, a lot. you know what it reminds me of? If anybody's ever read Terry Pratchett. In his books, there's a thing called Hex that the wizards build. And and some of the wizards have tried to get spells into the smallest possible meaningful thing. What in a spell makes it meaningful? So they started building <laughs> this thing called Hex. But the thing is, stuff just appears on it. And they don't know where it oh. came from. It, like, builds itself. So that's kind of what that reminds me of. It's like, where did that, where did that come from? I don't remember putting that on there. So, and Shay, um, no, it... I know it was a real question. So is that considered an investigation, uh, a flashlight tour? <clears throat> no, I don't consider it an investigation. Um, it's more of a... It's an entertainment. Yeah, it's an entertainment yeah. slash introduction to the Granger House of the general public, basically. It's a way of getting a historic building, people to tour it and look at it, um, that maybe wouldn't have normally had a look around it. So, and it, it's a, yeah. maybe a a very very small recruiter for the paranormal field i mean you might get one in a hundred that step off to the side and say hey i'd like to try to do this you know i'm serious about it i might want to you know join up or you know start a group or do something well and it's a different kind of thing to do too other than just going out to eat going to the bar whatever it's a night out kind of thing and you get a bit of history in there i know that sure 
I think it's, I mean, there's nothing, there's not a real downside to it. I wouldn't call it an, quote, investigation, though. No, I mean, it's, it's a, well, it usually runs about three, maybe four hours. I don't know. So, you know, it, it's, once again, it's, it's, it's a tour in the dark with, it's a flashlight tour. So you just go around and, you know, uh, give the history and then let people wander around and see who scares himself the most, basically. That's the good way of looking at it. But what I also like is Adam, you know, when he's doing them, I know he keeps it pretty grounded. He's a little bit more realistic about what the paranormal field actually is versus what they see on TV. Mm-hmm. So for some people, it's very educational. And some com- people, it's a compared big to what they see. That's yeah, yeah it, it's like a it's like a wake up call. Oh, you know, because well, they have years of experience. How long have they been doing it? Ten years. Yeah, investigating the paranormal. We we get some. Uh, um, you know, we get some uh, some interesting people come by sometimes. So <laughs> that's my entertainment yeah. part of it. So that's very true. <laughs> uh, so, um, all right. So, getting back to how do we sense the dead now? Um, so let's start. Let's go around the table again. So, Shane, name your. I, I don't know. Alv, you've got what, 20, 20 something sensors on yours? How many? Do yeah. You have? So, so, name your top three that you think are important that are on there. Um, top three would be um, probably the ion counter, the EMF uh, sensor, and probably the magnetic field. So, I got a question. What yes. range does your EMF measure? Well, it measures very far down into the milligauss. Um, it, it's quite sensitive. I mean, you can actually, you know, have a, I don't know, small piece of electronics two, three feet from the board, and it can usually see it. So it's very sensitive. If you have a cell phone laying around or anything like that, or you got bad wiring, you're, it's definitely going to see it. It's okay. very sensitive. Okay. So you've got EMF, iron, and what was the other? Oh, the magnetic sensor. A uh, magnetic field, just in, like a static magnetic field. Okay. Kind of like one of the natural uh, EMF meters would read, the natural one or whatever. Okay. It's basically that. So, Nico, what do you think for you of the top three sensors on our board? Um, for me... The three that I would not go without would be definitely the Geiger counter, for sure. Um, And then the humidity sensor and the magnetic field sensor. Okay. If I had to pick three. I honestly, personally, not just all of them on our board, but I think the more you can have, the better to a point. I mean, I think they're all very important if you're trying to do some type of scientific experiment just for data purposes to, to notice correlations in anything. But those three I would stick with. Um, 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What about you, buddy? I, I, I'm trying to make my mind up. So, basically, I think, yeah, I like the guy he counter. Um... I like, um, so I have magnetic XYZ sensor, and then, um, actually what I really like, because it should never go off, so that's my, my lottery part, is we've got what's called a read sensor, which is basically, it's a switch yeah. that closes under a strong magnet, so if, if a strong magnetic field hits it, it will close, is the idea, yeah. and it will never go off, but... If it ever does, I'm like, all right, that's good. So, you know, I, I don't know. It's I agree, though, because there's a lot of theories behind energies transferring, especially if, if you know, whatever it is, in anomalies or the dead, you know, it's going to pick something like that up if it's strong enough. Well, I, I, you know, I don't think it'll ever go off. But that's yeah. my, you know, if it ever does go off, that's my, whoo, it went off moment. I guess. So, I mean, I took the conscious decision of not adding an EMF to the board just because of its vulnerability for false positives, I guess. You know, I'm not saying the crap or anything. I just didn't want to have to deal with it. I'm, I'm looking for correlations, but I'm, I'm looking for, more, I don't know, what I consider more extreme things which probably they're not, just in my mind they are, but um, but I have noticed, you know, there's a correlation between radiation and magnetic field. Now, we're going to get into it later, I know, but, you know, what we... See, Shane, Shane puts it through the mangle and looks for statistical, um, you know, high points. These are very statistically... Whereas I look at the graph and look at what was happening in the room, and yes, it could have been something else, I get that because it's not statistically, you know, massive, but it is for that session we were there and did something happen while that happened. That's what I yeah. look for. And it's all about correlation. <laughs> and I know yeah. Shane, and I know Shane, and, and quite rightly so, I'm, this isn't a dig or anything. I know Shane comes at it from the statistics angle and says, well, statistically, this isn't really a high number. Therefore, you know, it could have been other things doing it, which I get. 
you know it's you know that's why i have things like things that should never go off on there you know that's my statistic number if that read sensor goes off that means there was a very strong magnet right next to it so um so i i don't know i mean i guess you know i i'm looking and and so shane we're looking for correlations if if sensors start going off you know uh and then in correlation with each other and with something going on in the room to me that's that's what i'm looking for when i take one out well yeah and the you know the only way you can get those kinds of correlations is if you have something taking measurements as often as possible which we have it down to about every second so you know you can see what a place is like when it's just completely normal and there's zero activity and then if you start getting activity, why? And you have a record, a change in the actual environment as as like a response, to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not looking to write a scientific paper, I guess. You know, and once again, it's not something that you'll know is happening. Well, we got a couple of alarms, but, you know, meh. But it's not something you will know is happening at the time. You'll just know afterwards, which to me makes the post-investigation a lot more uh, fun, I guess. You know, it's, it's... what do you think, Shane? Well, <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I mean, I guess basically what we need to do is kind of run through uh, our list of sensors for each of ours and then, you know, just give a few few a sentence or so on you know why each one we did because i think yeah. that would ground it for everybody you know why did we pick this and what does it supposedly pick up you know maybe if we did that that's what i was could. thinking too i mean you know at least with our board i was thinking we could start at the top and work our way down i have a bit of detail on all of them and what they do and why so yeah maybe i think that, that would, would be the thing to start with and then we can break out and discuss Take it away, chaps. Start at the top. What do you actually have on your board? Go for it, Nico. Well, I mean, okay, so on our board, in order, is the air quality sensor and then the humidor sensor. So, you know, then the well, magnetic Well, let's, let's do a short note. So, yeah, you know, what basically what they are and why they're on there. So, if we start with the... Um, you want to start sensor. with the air sensor? <clears throat> yeah. So the reason I decided to put that on there is twofold. Um, one is um, if, you know, if you're in bad air, you can get hallucinations like carbon monoxide and stuff like yeah. that, which this should pick up. Um, so, you know, if we get that, you know, then maybe that's a sign of, you know, not a ghost, but we're sitting somewhere where there's high carbon monoxide or whatever. Um, and the other thing was, which it probably won't pick up, but when I, I, I actually sent an email to them and they said they didn't know. And I tested it with a cigarette, blew a cigarette smoke into it, and it did register very highly that, you know. So if someone smells perfume, would that pick it up? I haven't actually squirted perfume on it yet because I don't want it to smell that bad. But, you know, and I will. But, uh, you know, so I guess that's why well, that's on there for me. There. You know, and I, I thought about another thing with that sensor as well, and you kind of touched on it. It's not just about what you're picking up on an investigation. It's about the investigator, too. So, like you said, there could be very high concentrations of, of gas to some of these places that we go to. I mean, we go to... There is if there's donuts not, in the bag. 
Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. <laughs> or or gas station ramen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quality no. sense is going nuts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's you know. an apparition, but it's not. <laughs> it's not in corporate. <laughs> it's evil. I smell sulfur. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say we, uh, you know, we go to places that are completely, you know, they're not well kept sometimes. I mean, some of the places we've gone to, like Buxton, they're off the map and they're at your own risk. You know, we don't really know what we're going to run into. And like you said, I, I was thinking of some of the people that are on TV, you know, they, they go to some of these locations. They don't just go overnight like we do. Some of them are there for a whole weekend or even a week to put together enough for their hour show or their two hour show. And how do they know that they're not being exposed to any type of high concentrations of gas? I don't think they're testing for these things. I think they're just going, you know, getting what they can get. And how do they know they're not getting hallucinations or, or even small things like some investigators claim to have like a heaviness in their chest. And then when they leave and they go home, how it follows them for a day until the heaviness goes away. I mean, for all they know, they could have been exposed to high concentrations of something that they're not even testing for. Kryptonite. And claiming it's a, a spirit or something following them. That's, I mean, that's a good, you know, um, that's a good thing. It's, it's one of those things that are on there. I put things on there that, you know, really shouldn't go off. And when they do, then you take notice of them. I guess that's that's the other thing. That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, quality. I wanted to ask you actually. So when I was researching this sensor, there is an actual beep that goes off. I don't know if you have that disabled at all, but if it detects uh, uh, anything too harmful, it does actually go off. Do you have it set to go no, off? No, because all we've got is the okay. sensor. We don't have the other hardware. I mean, I could okay. I could look at the signal numbers and make it beep, I guess, but um, okay. I didn't. I just didn't know because, you know, I'm not – you're the programmer. So. Well, the thing is there's, there's, what, 10 sensors on there. If I make a beep every time one of them goes off, how do you know which one it is? Then i got to do different tones, and you got to learn the tones. And I'm like, no, God, that's not why I'm building it. <laughs> You know, I'm Plus, if we walked in a place and it did go off, <laughs> okay, maybe it's time to leave here. <laughs> so, let's move along because we got to get through quite a few sensors. Um, next one, Shane, Nico, anybody? Uh, well, the next one on ours is the humidity, the temperature and humidity sensor. Yeah, and that's so, that's basic 101, especially the temperature. The humidity I mean, yeah, thing is part of the straight, sensor, so that's free. That's why I put well, that on there. And to me, the thing, I mean, there's tons of times that we've been on investigations before this board that I wish we had an actual record of if the temperature changed in the environment, like when I was feeling a cold chill or something like that. Because I've had that experience happen to me a couple of times where it was kind of unexplainable, a little weird, but I didn't have any actual data to go with it because we didn't have this yet, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, temperature is... Uh one of the highly reported things of a haunting. So where there's a cold spot or temperature fluctuations. So that had to be on there. Humidity is part of that sensor. So I didn't really think about humidity much. I'm like, well, I don't know why the humidity would change, but that's part of the same sensor. So it's on there. You know? Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think all of the, I mean, to me, all of these readings, even if they don't personally affect your investigation, 
they're a good part to to have when you're trying to do something scientifically accurate or you know to me anyway well it's correlation it's no data is bad data no <laughs> that's correct so uh next shane nico anybody yeah what do you what do you have on your board shane i don't really know what all you all have right, well i'll just kind of go through the overview here so one of the first ones i have is a actual touch sensor it's just a little metal or a little copper plate uh think of your touch lamp you touch it and it toggles back and forth i don't think i've ever had it go off ever yep we got that too that's one of my yep. it should never go off things yeah. yeah um i've got another one that's a a flame sensor so it looks for fluctuating deep infrared uh again it normally never goes off except if you're doing an investigation like in a cemetery and it's out in the sun it sees the sun and it just basically stays on pretty much the whole time it's out in the sun yeah. so uh i've got a metal detector it's just kind of a yes no um it normally never i don't know if i've ever had it go off i usually when i'm setting up the board i'll run my leatherman tool next to it just to see if it lights up yep it's still working <laughs> it went um, off in the cemetery. Yeah, That's it did cool. go off in the cemetery <laughs> once. Um, so, again, there's that. Then I have a motion sensor, which is a 360-degree motion. Um, most of the time, I use that to detect if people have decided to walk up to the board and mess with things. But it's, it is a motion sensor. Um, I have an infrared light level sensor, which basically tells you how much IR there is. Um, I got a visible light sensor. Uh, normally, my use for that is okay. Did we do this investigation in the dark, or did we do this one with the lights on? You know, so that's kind of a neat thing. Yeah. Uh, and then I've got a UV sensor, which does the same as the IR, except it looks in the ultraviolet region instead of the infrared, um, and gives you a light level of that. Um, I've got an ultrasonic distance sensor that's pointed in the same direction as the motion sensor. So theoretically, if you get motion, you can also tell how far away it was from the board. Um, I have an events logger. So I have a button that looks like it's from an old hospital bed with a long cord on it. So you can have the board away from you. I've fallen down, I can't get up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you fall and you can't get up, you can press it. But also, if you know, you, if, if in your human senses you sense something like, okay, I feel a weird presence, I can press the button, and all it does is mark the data that some event happened and that button was pushed. So when you go back to look at your data later, you can look at go right to the points where you physically felt something and were like, ooh, that's a little weird, and look and see if there's any correlations in the other stuff. Uh, my next one is temperature, of course, and humidity. I have that. We've talked about those. I also have barometric pressure. Um, there have been reports of, you know, the air feels heavy or the air feels light or whatever. Um, I have never seen a large barometric change. I've seen it change slowly over hours, which is normal. Yeah. Um, I also have dew point, which probably doesn't really do much, but it was part of the sensor. So, hey, it's easy to record. Uh, I have EMF which is what it is. It primarily does uh, anything below 100 hertz. 
uh, and looks at you know low low level radiation or low level electromagnetic fields. Uh, I have an ion sensor which looks for positive and negative ions and tells you number one whether they're positive or negative, and number two how strong they were. Uh, the next sensor I have is the plasma globe, and it basically tells you if something's touching the globe, not touching the globe, is close to the globe. Um, pretty much you can tell the different interactions by the way the, the numbers fluctuate. If you touch it real, you know, touch it directly, it shows one way. If you're just putting your hand near it, it shows it a different way. You know, and of course, if you're far away, it just kind of flatlines. Um, very so that, cool. So that's kind of a neat one. Um, I, of course, have a Geiger counter that measures microsieverts per hour. So, you know, any of our clients get basically a free radon check. (laughs) 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 You know, um, I have uh, a three-axis accelerometer, which is X, Y, and Z. So basically, if the board is shooken, vibrated, moved, tilted, you know, any physical thing happens to the board. I can track which ways it was turned, whether it was lifted up or down, whether it was tilted sideways, that kind of thing. Um, It also has a three-axis gyroscope. So not only can it tell what angles it's tilted or moved, but how fast was it moved. So, you know, it can even sense somebody's footsteps walking through the room pretty pretty vividly. Um, And then I've got three axes of magnetic field which are static magnetic fields so the board can actually tell even which way it's oriented it can tell if it's pointed north or whatever uh so that's pretty much the sensors that we're we're recording every day or excuse me every second and then it logs everything with a date time stamp so you know to the second um you know all those readings so it's nothing to get 5,000 readings easier more in an evening yeah i mean very cool so on ours we've got yeah the air quality sensor um we've got the light sensor i mean we basically yeah so like you said is it light is it dark um and then the other thing i put on that is i i guess for me the idea on that as too is if a shadow is over the board that will pick that up so if suddenly you get a massive drop in light readings and then goes back up again, you know, there was a shadow over that board. So, or at least over that light sensor. Yeah. Usually not something you should get. I see that. Yeah. Usually I see the shadow thing. (laughs) It's usually, I see a motion. I see a distance go Mm -hmm. down and I see a visible light drop all at the same time. And that's usually when somebody's walking over, Hey, what's that? Yep. Exactly. (laughs) It sees the person as they make a shadow on the board and as they get close to it and move around. So I think John was with lucky landslots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Was it? Was yeah. it? Uh, one, we've had it. I think we've had that go off one time that wasn't explainable by, it, you know, just being us interacting with the board. I think other than that, we haven't had much from it. But that doesn't mean we won't. No. I just, it's, it's still you important. Know. But, it's, that, you know. Something. Here's the thing. If that goes off on its own, or if any of them basically go off on their own, I usually go, oh, I wonder what that was. I don't get too excited about it. It's when two or more of them go off. You know, so if that happened... Yeah, and, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. Yeah, so... Yeah. So then, so we've got that. We've got a sound sensor. Um, basically, that gives you the level of sound. <coughs> Excuse me. So when we're actually interacting with the board, basically that's meaningless. However, when we leave the board alone in a quiet room and we've got the recorder, the reason I put that on there, if somebody thinks that they get an EVP, I can go back to when that EVP was and see if the sound sensor picked up the sound or if it was just the recording device picking up that EVP. So that's why that's there. Um, Karaniko, what else we got? I'm... Uh, well, we've got the light. You kind of went over the read. We have the read sensor. The read. Well, then, here's the other thing that the read sensor does that I didn't. So because that's just, I mean, it is what it says it is. It's a tiny filament in a tube. And if it comes in contact with one of the sides, it goes off. Now, that's meant to be for magnetic because the, the filament is metal. So any strong magnetic is yep. going to pull it to one side and set it off. But what that also does, if if there is a strong if somebody kicks the box or moves the box in any meaningful way, that usually hits the side and goes off as well. So it's kind of, you know, a vibration. It's got to be a strong movement, but, you know. Yeah, but at least it could sense something. I mean, if, you know, if we were at a place that was claiming to have strong physical activity, like, you know, things being thrown or kicked, it could that would be a second correlation. Well, if you go back in, also and, with the movement. If yeah, if you go back in and 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 it's moved or you think it's moved, um, that yeah. should tell you. So yeah, yeah go ahead. What else? <laughs> Another fun fact about it too. Did fun you guys fact. know that the read search has like, it literally can open and close one billion times. You, <laughs> it has a one billion switching cycle. I <laughs> I found that out today when I was looking up stuff on it. It'll never die. So you could tap it every time McDonald's sells a hamburger. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. What else? Keep going. We got. We went over light. We got light. We got sound. Uh, We have a touch sensor, but that's pretty straightforward as well. That's you know response to conductivity. Right? Yeah, we've got the. um, Yeah, we got. Well, we've also so as points, you know, off the back of the board. So you point, you can, what you can do is point that board at an area um, that you think, you know, if someone says, oh, this cupboard door opens sometimes, um, you can point at that, and then if the cupboard door does open, it will it will change, you know, the, the change in distance, it will measure that. And then we've also tied it into, um, there's a laser pointer we've got on there that does a big laser cross on the wall, 
So you can turn that on and off manually if you want the laser stuff on the wall to see movement, but also if that distance sensor triggers a shorter distance, that means something's moved in front of it, um, that laser will go off automatically. So that's kind of one of the bells and whistles of, oh shit, the laser went off. Um, one thing I will say about those ultrasound sensors though, is that they're kind of finicky. So we've yeah. had a couple of places where we set it up and they will uh, jump around anyway, just because of the way, you know, the sound's bouncing back to it. So in the Granger house, there's one spot we set it up, it will always just jump around. Um, the first time we did it, we got kind of excited about it. And then when we repeated it, well, it's always in this one spot. And I think there's like 90 degree angles from different things or whatever. So you kind of got to be a yeah. bit careful about what you get excited about. Yeah, very true. And I was actually going to ask Shane because I knew he had one of those on his board. Have you had anything like that as well, Shane? Is that acting oh, kind of, of finicky for like, you? For mine, the sensor is pointing basically straight up because that's the same way the motion sensor. So it's looking for stuff above the board. Okay. And if you have a suspended ceiling, it can a lot of times see the ceiling tile. And then the next time it takes a reading, it'll take the reading of the ceiling above it. And then the next time it'll be the ceiling tile. So it'll kind of have like a two foot change depending on, you know, because the ceiling tiles somehow doesn't always reflect it exactly the same way. Yeah. So which, I have had some strangeness. Which brings it well, back to it's exciting when it's a correlation. So, yeah. You know. Well, isn't there, too, isn't there kind of a limit on how far it will go as yeah, well? Yeah, it goes to about. What, like 15 feet, 20 feet? Yeah, something like that. So, like, if you take it outdoors in the cemetery, it just reads basically its highest value continuously and never says anything because it can't see anything. It's just the sky. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense. Next one. Uh, then we have the Geiger counter. That is the last one on our board. That covers everything. That's yeah. Right. And the Geiger counter is one of those, you know, I like, I like it on there because, you know, certain in physics, certain things cause radiation to happen. Um, interactions. So, and actually the ion one is probably more meaningful because, reactions also leave ions the only problem when i tried with the ion thing again it was all over the shop and i was getting too many you know oh it's this oh look that's different and, and i was getting too many what could be interpreted as false positives so i decided okay for ease of use i'm going to leave that off um that was just well, my choice so <laughs> well to be honest i mean let me know how you guys feel about it but i didn't expect to get any correlations from it i thought this is cool build it we'll add it it's a piece of data you know we'll see what happens but then you know like the situation with shane where he got similar correlation uh blah blah uh similar <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> yeah similar uh blahs yeah anyway Welcome you to had similar incidences as well <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and i mean i would have never thought that that would have happened and how would we have ever known if we didn't just give it a shot and and track that information you know, this, this, I mean, there's another thing yeah. though. I mean, about so you know, um, I know Shane has got like this portable power thing that's massive that he takes with him, but the, the other thing that, at least in my design, is how much and you know, how much power and how long do you want it to run? So, that was, I mean, for me personally, what I did, you know, that's the thing that decides, okay. What do you include? What's, you know, meaningful? What do you need? You know, so, I mean, like our, 
we can run ours for about 24 hours off of the battery we use. So, you know, and that's another concern well, that you have to, you know, if you're going to design one and build one, you know, yeah. th there's so many variables in building well, one. Well, and I, and I designed mine because, you know, the battery I use is actually has an inverter. So the whole thing is actually running on regular 120 volt wall outlet style. The reason I did it that way intentionally was I would like to be able to plug that in at an actual haunted location that had electricity and yeah. leave it for a month and come back and pick it up yeah. and have it still working. So, yeah. And then I want to do it not where there's a wall outlet. I just use the little portable power box and I can put it wherever I want it and it'll run for a week yeah. on it. On that power box, easy. which is massive. It's getting, they pulled it out. I was like, "What in the hell have you got there?" It's you like, know what though? I can relate to them because, like, right now, what I'm doing at the Granger house with with collecting data from each room, you know, so I can the most I can leave this. Yes, I can leave it like a whole day, and that's great because that's a lot to go through at one time. But I want a good solid at least five sessions of a day worth each in every room. Which, which because, you can do because Ranger house is like ground a for us. You know, I want but, a but, full, but you can do thing. that with ours because ours is a USB C five volt. So all you need is, you know, the wall wall with the, yeah, all you the phone charger. That, yeah. You power so, yeah. the wall. But you know, if, like he said though, if you're going somewhere <laughs> with no power and you had the opportunity to study it or they're like, yeah, sure. Leave it here. You can come back in a couple of weeks and pick it up. Don't worry. You know, yep. that would be very cool. Yeah. So let's talk about the correlation stuff a little bit then. Okay. Yeah, definitely. So because you do now get thousands, plural, of data points, um, I've actually made a piece of statistical software that can literally ingest the file that comes out of the board and it does all of the correlation for you. So basically, the way it works is it goes through the readings from every single sensor and makes what they call a Z-score. A Z-score is a statistical term as to how far something deviates from the average. And so once you reach a certain threshold, of a z-score say you know four or five deviations that is a notable result and so what the program does is it scores all 20 some of those columns with thousands of records and then it orders them by timestamp and puts all of the ones that happened at the same time together so if you had two or three sensors tripped um, it'll show all of those together on a single line hey, all these sensors tripped and here's what their values were. And yeah. so you can do your analysis in 30 seconds, literally. You know, after you've got the board, you, you dump the data file, you open up the program, you put in a few parameters, you hit the go button, and it pukes out a new file that has all your correlations in it. All irrelevant. All together, all time grouped, grouped by time. So, you know, if something happens... Within, you know, if it stays happening within, you know, like five second windows, it will keep showing it over and over until it quit happening. And then it'll give a gap if it didn't happen again for a while. So it literally groups 
all the correlations together with all of the sensors by timestamp. And so you can then just scroll through that file quickly and be like, yep, there's some stuff or yeah. nope, nothing happened. Yeah. This is and normal. This is normal. Yeah. If it's just normal, they will not show up with high Z scores. That's and cool. so basically you'll just get an empty file or a file that has a couple lines in it that were like where you walked up next to the board. You can see the correlations. Oh yeah, we got a motion and a visible light drop and a da da da. You know, and you and you can look in your video because you're of course videoing the board from a distance and you say, Oh yeah, that's when I walked up there to check on something or whatever. So, so yeah. I have a question for you then. What's the because yeah. you know, all it knows is the file that you put in. What's the longest span of data collection you've ever put in? Like if you put in let's say you actually did a month, you left this thing on for a month, you collected a month's worth of data without it being touched exploded in the same USB. location. Yeah, no, but if you had all that information yep. and then it correlated everything, you'd be able to see what was normal for that location and what wasn't over a Correct. month span. Absolutely. What's the longest you've ever done? Do you do it just for a night? I've done 48 hours, and that's thousands, I mean, yeah. tens of thousands of records. That's, that's um, readings that's every second. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've done 48 hours, and you can – you can see fluctuations and thing. You can see the day and night cycle. You can see the temperatures raising, rising. You can watch your furnace kick on and off. That's you so cool. You can see the barometric pressure rise and lower. And then if you go and look in the, you know, the NOAA weather, you can see, yep, it went up, it went down, it followed it. You know, you can see the cat when it walks over and sniffs yeah. the thing and looks at it. 172,800 records. Oh, yeah, wow. So it's almost 200,000 records nearly. Well, see, so, that... That sounds extremely nerdy, but yeah, the, the funny thing why, is though, is yeah. that program can digest that in like less than five seconds. You can have your answer, uh, and it's all grouped in nice, neat little groups, so you already know. Okay, all these sensors happened at the same time, you know. So the 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 unfortunate well, it's got two parts. It's it's fortunate that you can spend all night doing your stuff. You can come back and in ten seconds know. Well, that night was a good night, or nope, nothing happened. Pack it up, we're out of here. See, and I, I, this is where, well, we don't really differ. We just do it differently, I guess, is that when we get ours, I put mine into a graph form, which, once again, I, you know, it takes 10 seconds to take all those numbers and put those into, um, you know, a graph. So you get to see, you can pick the sensors you want, so you get to see the peaks and the valleys, and then you can make that graph as big or as small as you want. So you make 48 hours on, you know, one graph that fits one window in your computer. So you get to see, here's a really high peak, here's a really low trough. Now, statistically, they may not be meaningful. That might be, you know, well, that's within the parameters of normal. But me personally, I like to still go and look at those and then... Because, and, and I know, Shane, yours is the same. When, when you turn the board on, it beeps. So you get yep. your recording and your video or whatever you're going to use to record this stuff. You get it all rolling. You turn the board on. There's a beep that you get on your recorder and your video. Yeah, so from your time that, zero. That's it. So then you can look at the timestamp, and that, that happened three hours, 20 seconds in. You go pull your video, put it in the player. From the beep, you go three hours, 20 seconds in. And you look and see what happened there in real time. And 
that's just me because I, I enjoy doing the post investigation. Um, the other thing, so for me, it works both ways. So I can go and look at, I write down if I think something might have happened, if we got something where we go, shit, that was weird or that was creepy. Yeah, and that's where I hit my button. Yeah. And and yeah. we've got that too, except yeah, that, yeah. you know, when I'm doing the post investigation, it's kind of in my mind. So I'm like, oh, sure. let's look for that bit there. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so we've got two buttons, actually. One is we're interacting with it, like, you know, not with the board, but we're, we're trying to interact with any entity that may be in the building. So you start, you know, you push that when you start doing whatever, asking it questions or using... Oh, well, yeah, I have that. The radio. Thing. Well, yeah. that's also good to have for if you're close to the board, period, because you simply being close to the board can differ your yeah. readings. So you need yeah. a record of that. Hey, I was in here for these 10 minutes or 20 minute session. Then I left. Yeah. Yep. But, but by, by doing the thing with the graph, I mean, and once again, this is a personal choice. It's not, you know, a, a judgment either way. But, you know, I like my post investigation. I sit there. First thing I do is I go and look at, oh, this was the weird thing that happened or someone reported something. I know where it is on, you know, on the recording, on the video or the, or the audio. Then I can go look at my data at that time and see if there's any peaks or valleys and if there's any correlations. And then when that's all done, then I look at the overall thing and say, well, here's kind of a peak. I wonder what happened there. And then you go look at it. And I found, at least in a couple of instances, where, in fact, one was a huge one. Um, so, and, and I may have said this, told this story before, but I'm going to say it again and bore the crap out of everyone. Um, <laughs> when we were at Edinburgh doing a day walk, we had the boards out. I think we had two of them out. And we had one in a room. And the thing is, during the investigation, you know, one of the people came up and said, that door's open and it wasn't open before. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I honestly, it's like I witness, you want something to happen, you thought the door was closed, it was open, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's not a huge flag. But then when I went back, and I wasn't even thinking of that, but when I went back, there was a peak. And we just had the audio on. And when I listened to the audio at the, around that time, because I usually go a minute either side of it, you can, you can hear the door... Uh, Edinburgh, when it closes, you hear it through the whole building because it's a big metal door. You zoom, and you hear us leaving because we were going out for a break, and I remember that instance. But then, about 30 seconds later, you hear two footsteps, you hear a door creak, you hear one footstep, and that's it. And that's in the room where the door was open, where they said, that door was closed, now it's open. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, and the thing being cool. is, it's things like that where I just like going through and looking at the peaks and valleys and, and, and seeing, you know, how that correlates with real time. Now, yeah, because I don't think that peak that would have been got? statistically, you know, meaningful, really, but it was there and I had to look. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I guess, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, I kind of do it backwards. I run the statistics program, and if it shows a correlation with a group of sensors that didn't involve some human walking up to the board, then I will put the graph out and look. But from what I found, the statistics, especially if you set them appropriately, pretty much if there's any kind of peak or anything that would show up 
out of graph the statistics, you'll see it pretty easily. So basically, if, you know, and a lot of times I'll run it once at like a level five, which means it has to be five deviations. That's like heavy duty proof. Holy crap. That's a long, strong signal. A lot of times I won't get anything. I'll move it down to like four. You know, if I don't get anything by three or three and a half deviations, there ain't crap. And if you go any lower than that, you're just gold digging for data because, you know, you set it at two, you're going to get hundreds of entries because every little fluctuation is going to show up. And they're small, so small on a graph that they would just be a little ripple. So I don't know. I, I think the statistics pretty much does it. And it doesn't make mistakes. It just doesn't one shot and it's unbiased. It just goes, yep, these are the spots where things got more or less than they were. And these are the ones that were happened at the same time. Yeah. No, and, and, and that's, I mean, like I say, it, it, that is correct. Um, and I occasionally do graph stuff. I mean, if it, if I find something that looks interesting, I'll throw, I'll throw up some graphs, but otherwise, otherwise I'll just, uh, you know, go with the number. And if it says there's stuff there, there's stuff there. If not, well, that was a nice fun night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I enjoy the post investigation, but I'll be honest with you. I enjoy it a lot more now because of the sensor board where yes. I don't have to watch all of it to try and catch something. I I do kind of, like you said, I will, I will concentrate on my graph and go, okay, you know, because anything else, is now, you know, if, if if something happened or I thought something happened and it's a good anecdote until I get some data to back that up. So what happens is when I look at the graph, if there's a correlation, peaks and valleys, I'll look at it. If nothing happened, nothing happened, and there you go. That's fine. That's some background stuff that went off. But if I get a peak or a valley when I think something happened and I can see it on a video or hear it on the audio, or both, you know, then I've got, okay, that's a weird thing, and now I've got a data to, to, to show it off. And and when we did the first one, if you remember, the first one we did at Farrar with your board, yeah. and, you know, we noticed when we did the post thing back here, we noticed a correlation between um, radiation and magnetic. Yes. I still, still I case. still see those. You know? Yeah, I still see those too. So that's the thing. It is And they show up in the statistics very you're like, oh yeah, those are together. Yeah. And and those are the two. So the magnetic field and the radiation are the two that I would always look at first because those are the two that I see the most correlation from. Especially, for example, when that door opened, those were the two that went off. Yep. You know, I had a peak and I had a valley in exactly the same place, and that's when that door event happened. Yeah, and so, the other thing I, I watch for, too, is if I see something that has a vent, and even if it has a correlation, but it was only one second, which means it was just one reading, I put a lot of suspicion in it because if you picture, you know, a, a, a spirit being some kind of a thing, you know, that was a human left, you know, re, you know after death or whatever – humans don't do anything in one second so if you got a little blip it's like eh, that's but, probably just a glitch in the sensor or you know something like that i don't know i mean 
now if it lasts for two, three, five seconds, then it's like, holy crap, what the heck is that? But, but yeah, but then the question arises, though, and now we're going back to philosophy, as it always does, is when you die, are you really still human? You're not. You're not a biological entity. True, anymore. I guess you could trip something. And split. I mean, I mean I as a know. human, you can do something in a single second. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, but what I'm saying is, you know, if it's going along and you got my genetic readings and all of a sudden it shoots up for one second and goes right back to where it was. Happens to me all the time. I mean, that could be a cosmic <laughs> ray. That could be, you know, somebody clicked a breaker five houses down and there's a blip in all the electrical system. You know, I mean, there's so many things that happen in an instant. But I would think that if some entity was actually interacting with the board, you know, you're going to see several seconds at least. I, I get know. that. But the, 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 I still kind of note it. Just because, yes, it probably yeah. oh, is a break. I note it. Yeah. But, you know, it, if it happens where I think something's happening and I get that for a second, I'll mark it down and I'll note it. Because, yep. to be honest with you, I mean, I can wave my hand over the board really quickly. And get a one and second. A second. Exactly. Yep. So, right. you know, I mean, and I'm human. Yeah. At least last time I looked it up on the genome file. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, anyway. So, I guess the thing is, what time is it? Oh, my God. We oh, yeah. We're, we've been we're... rambling on. I can still keep going, but I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, I probably, we probably put everyone to sleep by now anyway. So, sweet, yeah, she's sweet dreams, sure. everyone. Um. I, I guess, you know, starting to round up, I, I think um, for, for serious investigation, um, some kind of multi-sensor is warranted, one that records often and, and works autonomously. Um, yeah, I think that's, human bias. Yeah, and I think that's the way to go going forward uh, for, for serious investigation. If you're there just to enjoy the moment, that's fine too. You don't need one. Um, but... You know, I found things, I'll be honest with you, and, and I am, I, I always take everything with a pinch of salt, usually. Um, but since I've been using a sensor board, I have found things that normally I wouldn't look for, that I would have just gone, yeah, whatever. Um, and then when I measure up to what people say that, you know, I don't trust anybody anyway, so... <laughs> So they, 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 yeah, they say something, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But when I pick up on the board that there are correlations and changes in the environment at the time they said something happened, then I'm going to take them a lot more seriously. So, yes, same, you know, that, that's just the way of it. So I think, you know, sensor boards in some way, shape or form are going to be, you know, um, and, and I'll be honest that they're, they're kind of expensive to build, you know, if you go out and build your own. Um, and there, there, there's a lot of pain and heartache that goes into it, at least there was for me. Um, but when you look at the cost of all the equipment we buy, which a lot of it's just crap anyway, to be honest with you, um, you know, you, you end up saving money. You don't take as much with you. You don't take bags full of kit anymore. At least we don't, you know, so... Yeah, you can spend more money on Cheetos. <laughs> a Cheetos so are worth two, it, though. Come on. That's why I've got the air two, sensor. I mean, how accurate is the bag full of kit anyway? I mean, to be honest, if we didn't have this, and no offense against people who have been doing it a long time, but I don't know if I would because it was starting to get to the point where 
how accurate is what we're doing? You know, how much do we really know, and how can we get those readings? Well, his, it just wasn't for me. And, and well, so and here's he the point: I was with his board, the and point, then, I, then it was you know more realistic. The point I was trying to make at the top of the program was: it depends why you have the equipment. If you have the equipment for entertainment value, that it beeps and boops and goes off every now and then, um, then yeah, the equipment's worth it. But you know, we're talking about, you know, doing a serious investigation. So, you know, no, it isn't worth it, I don't think. You know, you, you've got to get something that measures all the time that you can look at after the investigation and, and match things up. So. Well, you know, also, too, how can you even know what is normal for a location if you're not doing that? You know, how do you know that what you're experiencing isn't something that happens there regularly? Yeah, which is why I think what you guys are doing at the... You know, Granger House is awesome. Because I wish I had a place close by that I could let my stuff hang out in every room for a few days. Yeah. I just yeah. don't. <laughs> I'm about to put a lot of hard work into that. And they're, they're so cool for letting us do it. The yes. trick is putting it somewhere where nobody's going to interact with it all day. Just leave it alone and let the battery run out. And then I'll come get the log. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. So, All right. So let's get around the table one time. Um Shane, any final thoughts? Additions? Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing is is just, you know, the, the sensor boards are pretty much a necessity in the modern ghost hunting if you're going to do scientific stuff. And you got to use the statistics instead of your wet noodle to try to figure <laughs> things out because your yeah. wet noodle just it lies to you too much. Leave my wet noodle so, out of it. Yeah, keep your wet noodle out of it. That'd be my thing. For pictures of the wet noodle, please go to www.wetnoodle.com. Probably 20, not so. $20 Patreon. So, <laughs> Nico. Uh, yeah, last notes. Um, you know, th this episode is, is very informational and, and, and whatnot. And, you know, you can kind of get lost in some of the technical speak. But to me... Not having something like this, um, you know, you can't really do any type of investigation, even if you're doing it for fun. Like I said earlier, how do you know the location you're at, that that isn't the normal for the location? You, you need readings. You need data to show you to back up when you find something that it is out of the, the ordinary. Not that it's a ghost, that it's just this doesn't usually happen. I have multiple files of data that shows that it doesn't that's that's a good point all righty so my two cents is i mean the problem with sensor boards at the moment is um twofold one is they're not readily available you have to build your own um there are some home kits that measure some of these things um but they don't do it every second things like that so you know i i guess that's the first one i'm sure digital dowsing will bring one out as soon as they've listened to this but the, the second thing is um if there's a sensor kit that is geared if someone brings one out geared to the paranormal be very wary of uh, how many alarms and stuff and bells and whistles it has on it um because i can see someone being a bit unscrupulous and scrupulous is that a word unscrupulous and, 
and, and you know, and doing it that way. So, um, but yes, I think they are very necessary. I think you know, uh, a measurement a second. Uh, and and some form of marker at the beginning of the end, so you can correlate it to what's happening in the real world. Um, I mean, there's I can't think of one argument not to have one apart from the pain and the tears of actually building one. So um, you know that that's that's my view of things. It's changed the way I I do it um, and made it actually. And like Nico said, if we didn't have these, I probably would have quit doing this a while ago. Yeah. Um, just because, yeah, just from the tediousness of sitting there trying to look at, you spend so much time just staring at these little screens or, or going through video, trying to write stuff down. And I don't know, you just, and you can't do it consistently and you can't do it every second. That's for sure. Well, the other thing is I don't too many, it's way too many. What ifs, you know, it just leads into more, I don't knows, And I couldn't do that. Plus, I don't trust the readings on a lot of this equipment. And then you only get one reading because you've got it in your hand, you're pushing the button, you get the reading. So if you pull, it takes you five seconds, ten seconds, pull another one out, uh, oh, there's that reading. Now, do they correlate? I mean, they don't because, you know, they're not done at the same time. Well, and another thing to add real quick, because I know we're over our time, but, you know, we are investigating the unknown. So, yeah, we know how these sensors activate what what can trigger them but we also don't know we also don't know what else can trigger them we don't know what we don't know so we have no idea how many of these readings might be relevant in a situation that we just haven't discovered yet you know which is why we pile the sensors on because we don't know what sensors are going to pick up where so you know we get the this should never go off sensors on there and it should never go off and, if it and does, then all of a sudden it goes off. Then we look into it. Location when we're talking about a certain thing, then we look into it. You know, yep. you. you yeah, that for our school time. one when we talked about the owners that one time and everything went wiggly wobbly. Exactly when we yeah. started the conversation. Yeah. Exactly when we ended. That would just freak me out. So, and yeah. it did it three or four times. I know. So you know things Different like that. Well, and we well, never would have we... known that without a sensor board. You know, well, okay. what if something can't physically, you know, what if it can't physically interact in our world, but it can s- somehow mess with our sensor in a way? You know, it, it can't literally pick up a book and throw it if we ask, but it could tamper with a movement sensor and show movement that didn't happen visually, but it happened in the sensor. Or radiation. You know what I mean? Or magnetic field or all these yeah. subtle yeah. things. Yeah. Like we've and always said, we can, it's subtle. And then we can go back and go hey, this happened when we were bringing up this topic. Let's try bringing up that topic again and see if the same thing And I've thing done happened. that, Dustin. I've actually gotten correlation yeah. three or yeah. four times. So are, these are, you are these are all things we would have never got without the hard work. I mean, seriously, like, Shane, I never met anyone else doing it before you. You know, to me, you're like one of the pioneers of it. But then, John, you know, taking that idea and turning it into something that the general public could use in an everyday sense it's it's amazing like the hard work that you two put in you know deserves to be recognized a bit not you know not trying to kiss your ass or anything but no that's fine the hard work but that compliment that compliment is going to my wank bank for later so thank you (laughs) and it was fun i mean i love doing that stuff so yeah labor of passion yeah it is so all righty well let's wrap up yeah (laughs) time for us all to go home i'm gonna miss you all so (laughs) 
Alright, nothing left for me to do than to say, y'all go out and find me a ghost. Bring me some evidence. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great evening. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.